dropping in on SEMA. That's next on Inside the SCCA, presented by Blaze Coaching. What question do you get the most before someone decides to, to get a coach? Rather than the question, I'm going to say the number one comment we get is, Dion, you know, I want a coach, but I need to get faster first. I need to get my new personal best. That is the absolute wrong way to think about things. The right time to get a coach is today. The next best time is tomorrow. When drivers spend more time trying to add speed without the right fundamentals, without the right systematic approach, you're increasing risk and you're forming more strength than bad habits to take us more time to fix. So go ahead, send your video in today. Doesn't need to be the perfect lap. Doesn't need to be the perfect session. We can look at your fundamentals, even if you make mistakes and give you actionable tips to start going faster and being safer today. That's Dion Von Moltke, Rolex 24 and Sebring 12 hour race winner and co-founder of Blaze Coaching. For more info, go to blaze.io. Links to the runoffs packages are in the show notes. My guest on this episode of Inside the SCCA, presented by Blaze Coaching. He made his runoffs debut this year at VIR. He works to create partnerships between the SCCA and motorsports industry leaders. And he's a legit car nut. Dan Dennehy Rodriguez joins us. Hello, sir. Hello, Brian. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm pretty good. It's good to hear. It's uh, crisp in the air in Southern California. Yeah. You know, it's uh, this is my favorite time of year, except I don't like it when it gets dark so early. So that's the I agree with that. That's the part I, I don't agree. like. But uh, other than that, everything's good. Have you uh, have you dried out yet? And I'm not referring to from an alcohol standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> I asked that question I'm like that doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> we uh, we all got back from Virginia a little soggy. Uh huh. I hesitate yeah, to use the word moist. I hate the word moist. I think I think it's a pretty popular non-starter that term. <laughs> I think we all want to eliminate it from our our vocabulary. Wow. But, oh my gosh, was VIR wet specifically Friday? Oh my gosh, yeah, incredible weather day. I, and the driving of those drivers, especially in T three, I I cannot commend them enough. Yeah, it's incredible what they were able to do that that day. It was it was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, and I've been doing this a long long time and uh, i can't remember ever seeing any series race in weather that wet um mm-hmm. and and i pride our myself ourselves the col- the collective club as being yeah. the 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 series the group of racers who race in anything and um i th- i don't know that i've ever seen the SCCA race in conditions that bad but on the flip side mm-hmm. everyone handled it so darn well i mean yes. it, it could have been a complete crap show and it wasn't yeah. it was just the opposite it was it was an amazing display of driving talent by just about every, i mean every some people had a little difficulty um yeah. we went we went on friday the worst day of all of the days mm-hmm. we went 47 laps Two and a half races before our first full course yellow. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. It's it, unbelievable. Crazy and, and in the best way. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. it was it was fun to listen to Kramer and Gorman 
you know, announce the T3 race. Yeah. Because you think of the combined experience, especially with Greg, who's been announcing for like a long time. And when they both say this, I've never seen this before. You know, yeah. I was talking with Tom after the fact and quite literally as a driver or, or any other work that he does, like they genuinely, you don't see that. The, the rain was horizontal and in living the experience of being paddocked near a roller coaster, looking out the, the trailer and seeing gusts of 30 mile per hour wind and, and yeah. those, those drivers out there just absolutely to be commended. And if, if you're hearing this and you haven't seen the race, go to YouTube, check it out right after you're done listening to this podcast, because, oh my gosh, it was incredible. So it's all such a blur. T3 was the last race on Friday, right? Correct. Okay. That was the one race that I really thought of all of them, we shouldn't have run, but it was amazing. Yeah. yeah they pulled it off. Yeah. Just crazy. <laughs> they pulled it off. Just crazy. I, yeah. for, for those who don't know, Dan, Dan is the, I love the title partner relationship manager. Yeah. It makes me sound a lot more fancy than I actually am. <laughs> but, um, but you know what? It's, it does describe the job pretty yeah. well. Um, you know, myself, my team, which includes Brandy, Kristen and Philip, uh, which is the marketing team. We, we put a lot of time and attention to make sure that our partners get the most of the relationship with the club, but then especially our members get the best return um, from those relationships. And it's been a lot of fun to have this role for the past, I think it's 20 months. Right. And it's, it's been a whirlwind because I still feel like I'm brand new. Yeah. But this is my second SEMA this year. And oh my gosh, it's just, um, it's, it's a lot. Let's get to all of that in a second. Let's get the car. Sure. Let's get the fun stuff going. Please. You decided, when did you decide to try to make it to the runoffs? Last year at the runoffs. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and a good a good friend of mine, Alan Briere, uh, was driving his uh, GTI. He's actually a T3 car. And um, I, I could hear him turn onto the front straight on his final lap. I could hear him over the exhaust of his car screaming because he was having so much fun. <laughs> and it was it was literally at that moment where I said, and keep in mind, at that time a year ago, I had just earned my provisional road racing license. So I I had gone through the driving school through Steel City, had one clean race. I still needed to get a couple clean ones. Um, but it was at that time I was just convicted. I needed to do it. Right. And with VAR being somewhat close to my home in Pittsburgh, um, it it was this year's mission to get to that race. So what was your car nut lineage prior to your first driver's school? What was your background? My my background has always been a lover of all things motorsport. Um, growing up um, in the Pittsburgh area, I, I fell in love with motorsports by watching the runoffs on ESPN mm. and then later Speed, Speed Channel, um, especially back when I was like mid-Ohio, watching showroom stock. Um, and then... Uh, as a young adult, was able to do some autocrossing. My first competition was in a time attack series by, I think, hosted by Redline at Beaver Run, mm -hmm. um, which kind of ages myself, those who know the Western PA area. And then took a couple of years off, I had always been a member on and off. And then five years ago, really got invested in the Track Night America program and Time Trials National Tour. Okay. Um, actually, in 2019, I was the the driver of the year, the spirit um, of time trial award recipient, which really hit a, hit a hard heart chord for me. Um, and uh, yeah, 
road racing is something that within the past two years I've really gotten into, but I've been a participant in almost all the programs with the club, which right. is really cool. Right. So, so you you made a decision at the runoffs last year to try to make it to the runoffs, and I didn't know any of this before we started talking. And yeah. uh, and uh, for those who, um, well, no, no one would know this, but um, Dan was very helpful in getting us um, on our way to take the Inside the SCA podcast to the runoffs this year. Um, he he did all of his partner relationship thing to help me come up with some partners to go. And without uh, without Dan's without Dan's help, I don't think well we wouldn't have gotten there this year. So, um, but that's when we started talking, and I didn't know whether I didn't even know you were trying to go to the runoffs at that point. And then yeah. I saw a couple of uh, Facebook posts, I think, about you know one more race to get to the runoffs and yeah. and all of that. And and so, what was the whole what was the journey like for for this year for you? Um, you know, you've made the decision to go. You, mm-hmm. you made it to. You qualified at your, your last possible event to qualify, right? <laughs> yep, literally the last chance qualifier at Groton in Michigan. Okay. Um. Yeah. So talk about skin of the teeth type stuff. But, yeah. um, you know, this year was a really interesting one because my initial intention was to run my Volkswagen Rabbit in the T4 class, and uh, I ran a regional in March at VIR and got completely hosed in that car mm. because there's some really competitive cars and drivers in T4 and the amount of work it would have taken to make that car competitive in that class would just not be feasible in a year. And so I was kind of driving home a little bit disheartened trying to, to figure out, you know, how's this going to work? So I've always wanted to do the runoffs, but I want to do the runoffs in such a way where I can feel like I mattered mm-hmm. in the sense of being competitive um, and really being proud of my on-track competition and competitiveness. So um, did some research, talked with some friends, and then made the decision to buy uh, a Honda Fit. Um, and the Honda Fit have been owned by multiple drivers. It's been a race car its whole life. So there's a whole story about bringing that home and running in the B-Spec class. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, that the ownership of that car was to get to the runoffs. And even the night before the runoffs actually sold it to its current owners because that was the use case. Right. Um, but I wanted, what I wanted to do is, is to be able to run, to be competitive, to learn a lot in that car, but to also be able to do things in a budget minded way. Um, I think a lot of times when, when people who work for the club are part of the club, you know, there's there's a lot that ends up happening, but one thing I'm very thankful for is like those race weekends are true race weekends. I had a, so much fun. Right. I got to show up driving a 2003 Chevy Trailblazer, pulling with a U-Haul car dolly, <laughs> this 2008 Honda Fit, and it was that exact setup that I showed up to at the runoffs. So right. So the night so before budget the as budget can be right. So the night before the race, you sold it, or the night before you left for the runoffs. The night before the race, I sold it to a friend. So I I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So so in, in in the conditions were better on Saturday, right? It was a Saturday race. Yeah, mine was a Saturday okay. race. We were dry. It was just a green track. So you're getting on the racetrack for your first runoffs in a car that if you ball it up, uh-huh. it is not sellable anymore. Correct. <laughs> 
no stress, <laughs> no stress. It. And and uh, I'll show you a video of um, towards the middle of the race. I, I had broken out from I think I rolled off P seventeen, and I was up to like P twelve at one point. And some of the quicker guys had had gone off, so I wanted to keep up with them because in B spec, if you lose a draft, right. you're done. And so all throughout qualifying, I was going flat through South Bend. So I knew I could do it. Right. And I thought to myself, well, it's either now or never. I'm going to keep with these guys and go flat through South Bend when my race is done. I'm not going to get in the top 10. Um, let me tell you, I was sideways for about 60 yards through South Bend. And it made for one of the best videos ever. But the whole time, I'm like, don't wreck the car. You don't own this car. You don't own this car. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. so it was fun. It was an amazing race. So you start 21st in the field at 30. That's not bad uh, for your first yeah. runoffs. Finish yeah. 17th. Also not bad. N- nothing unrespectable finish, about that. Finish 15th. Oh, finish 15th. Finish 15th. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, that's 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 a good showing for your first time out. Rookie car, rookie driver. Yep. That's yep. good stuff. Yeah, I felt really good about what I was able to do. And, and one thing I, I have to say about racing within the B-Spec class is that it has been such a pleasure to get to meet those drivers and those teams. Um, there's a ton of respect in the B-Spec class, uh, excellent camaraderie. And what I mean my respect is that we race each other hard, but never in a way that's punitive. Right. And that's the thing that I, I massively respect um, I can tell you, as I kind of did my own retrospective of the year, I was looking at some in-car footage back in April at the Pit Race Hoosier Super Tour and seeing how much I've progressed as a driver just because of that car and that class. Right. Um, anyone who's considering, you know, B-Spec is a phenomenal class because there's not enough in those cars to really confuse someone. I'm I'm not great technically when it comes to setting up cars, and I could figure out that car, which is a plus. But they are so much fun. Yeah. And um, I'll miss that car, but it's it's better with the owners who have it now. They're going to enjoy it more than I would. So I'm happy it's in a better place. So before we move on to SEMA, which is why I asked you to be on the show. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so you sold the car. What's what's the plan for next year? All right. Well, we've got the 2008 Rabbit, okay. which we're going to continue to use regionally. Um, I help a lot of friends. You know, we, we do a lot of regional races and I, I sell seats in that car to friends and to those who, who want to get into racing and get their license. Um, we're working with a dealership on my race side. So I work for the club, but I also own a business called Dan Dennehy Racing. And that's the business that owns the cars, that leases the seats, that sort of a thing. So the business, we're, uh, we're buying a 1997 Toyota Cresta. Yes. Right. Okay. And I wish, I wish everyone could hearing this could have just seen Brian's face. That was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, so a Toyota Cresta is a, a Japanese vehicle. Um, so it's right-hand drive. Think of it very similar to like a Lexus okay. GS300 or IS300. But what makes them pretty cool is you can put the same drive line from a Supra. Okay. So like a 1JZ, 2JZ, that kind of stuff into these cars. And they actually weigh a lot less than the Supras. Um, and so I'm kind of like going back to my, my roots and I'm going to build this car into a time attack build. And so I've got a couple friends and partners who are going to be helping me along the way. 
Um, it's probably gonna be like a two-year build, but I'm okay. hoping that in 2024, we can go to time trials nationals in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and then hit a two-minute, 15-second lap time. Okay. So that's the goal with that car, and that's that's the next Everest to climb. Okay. So no no trip to the runoffs next year? I don't think next year, but potentially in 24. Okay. Because we're going to continue to keep the rabbit. Um, there's some cool conversations happening about potential new classes. Um, I hear this C-spec uh-huh. rumor that's, that's been kind of floating around. Um, so let's hope that grabs some traction because I think a rabbit would be an ideal C-spec car. Right, but even right. still, um, I'm always going to have it. I would love to to drive it in T4. And now that I've got the time to make it competitive, sure, it would be it would be cool to be a hatchback amongst BRZs and right. empty Miatas and cool stuff like that. A little bit yeah, different. I, I think if the C-spec class happens, um, it'll be several years before it becomes runoffs eligible. It'll take exactly. some time, which will give you time to work on the car, perfect the car, or as perfect as any car gets. Um, yeah, uh, exactly. You know, we don't. Yeah, exactly. We never perfect. I, I I don't even think the the '80s Nissan GTP car was a perfect race car, and I think that was gosh, as close was to that thing lethal. I think oh that was gosh. as close to the f- perfect car as ever has mm-hmm. raced in IMSA. Um, mm-hmm. That thing was just crazy the the first professional race i ever went to was an imsa race at road america and that car was driven by jeff brabham that's my first memory of going to a professional race that's oh how old gosh. i am and and when you he said earlier oh when you said earlier that you, your your earliest memories of becoming a motorsports fan were watching the runoffs at mid ohio i was like i was at those runoffs at mid ohio working <laughs> God, I'm an, I apologize to age you, but you know what? I one of my man. favorite pastimes is to kill time looking at the old IMSA races, and and that era of IMSA was phenomenal. Some of the stuff they're doing now is pretty cool, but back then was just wild. Those yeah. cars were insane. Yeah. All right, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Um, when we come back, you're at SEMA, and uh, I, I want you to fill us in on all the stuff that's going on at SEMA, but I also want to talk about why it's important for a club. For us to have you at SEMA and and yeah. what you're there and why you're there and and all that other cool stuff. So we will do that when we come back. My guest, Dan Dennehy Rodriguez, SCCA Partner Relationship Manager, Gearhead, Car Nut, super cool guy. He's going to stay with us. We'll do that all next. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I'm Dorsey Schrader, and when I'm on my way to a race, I'll listen to the SCCA podcast inside the short bus. Dion, give me three reasons to get coaching started before the runoffs. One, we're going to make you go faster. Two, we're going to help you be safer while doing it. And three, we're going to help you have a lot of fun. The runoffs is the biggest race weekend of your season. So do you want to make the most of it? Do you want it to be the best race weekend of the year? Of course you do. We're going to give you pre-race track guides, video tracks, exercises you show up ready to go. Every practice day, you'll be able to upload your video, get coaching sessions back with specific pointers on where to go faster and how to go faster. Number two, all of those coaching points are going to help you also go safer and be more consistent while doing it. Number three, you'll be working with freaking Ricky Taylor or Spencer Piggott or Colin Mullen, people you watch on TV. They're the ones that know VIR well, and they're going to be working one-on-one with you. You're going to have a blast working with them as well. That's Dion Von Moltke, Rolex 24 and Sebring 12-hour race winner and co-founder of Blaze Coaching. 
For more info, go to blaze.io. Links to the runoffs packages are in the show notes. We are back inside the SCCA. I'm Brian Belansky, our guest. Dan Dennehy Rodriguez, 15th place finisher in the 2023 runoffs <laughs> in Peace Pack. Brian, I feel like uh, you should add a hype man to your, your resume because you're doing a phenomenal job. I appreciate you so much. It's okay. I love talking <laughs> with people who love doing what we do. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole purpose of this podcast. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the whole reason why I wanted to go to the runoffs and take it there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole reason why we're going to try to do a whole lot more next year. So, and speaking of next year, all all of this stuff, I don't care whether it's doing a podcast. I don't care whether it's taking a race car to the racetrack, uh, mm-hmm. running a club. It, it all requires partners, whether yes. it's your significant other who, you know, um, I, lets you or puts up with you or encourages you to go racing, uh, whether mm-hmm. it is a club who has partnerships with corporate corporations to have stuff mm-hmm. for the members, um, whether it's a podcast who wants to go on the road and, and needs some money to do it. Um, it yeah. all happens with partnerships and relationships. And, um, uh, you know, and it takes a special, I, I'm married to a, a woman who could sell ice to an Eskimo. It's it's a skill. I am not that yeah. person. Um, you know, I, I can talk about my thing and tell people how how much fun it is and what a great time it is. But I am not the, the quintessential salesperson. Yeah. Uh, my wife. Is that you mm-hmm. are that <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. you, you I have actually... you, you have a way of of getting people together and 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 explaining what needs to be explained to get people excited about about spending money. Mm-hmm. that's pretty that's yeah, a big false. skill you know yeah. so uh, i'll i'll share with you a funny quick story just on that yeah and i think it's something that that's just super important about the culture of our paddock um i had a really crummy year in 2018 every single event i had a mechanical and so i would always reach and grab a sleeve of oreos because it always made me feel better and so and, in 2019 and I had a really good, well exactly and i mean <laughs> i think oreos are one of those those candies or cookies that like everyone agrees upon are Pretty phenomenal. I, I, I rarely run into someone who goes, no, no. But in 2019, I literally walked around every paddock that I went to with mm-hmm. Oreos and just hand them out to people who are going through a mechanical right. or off track or something like that. And so my nickname was Oreo. So whenever um, I was brought on to the club and um, I'm going through the whole process of onboarding, I was the Oreo guy. And so everywhere I go, there's an Oreo waiting for me in Topeka or people send it to me. And it's just, um, you know, I, I appreciate what you're saying. My my brand of sales is not tremendously salesperson. Right. Highly relational. Right. Um, and I, that's, I think the reason why they wanted me in this role, because of how important that is to, to how we work as a club. All right. So when you split the Oreo cookie in half, which half do you eat first? It's going to say a lot about you right now. I go for the cream. Of course. Okay. Yep. Okay. I, I split it in half, but I still eat both together. Oh, interesting. I just put the cookie on the top cookie on the bottom of the bottom cookie. Uh, Think about that. Like a double stack. Yeah. 
and now you realize I am completely screwed up in the head. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on. So you're at yeah. SEMA. Um, first of all, explain to people out there who might not know what SEMA is. SEMA, in a nutshell, is the largest automotive aftermarket convention show in, I would probably guesstimate, North America. So a lot of different OEMs as well as aftermarket manufacturers all come here to present their new products, but then also network with other brands to essentially move their, their footballs forward. Right. Mm -hmm. There's two big shows in the U.S. for gearheads, and I'm not talking about just regular auto shows because there's always Detroit, New York, and L.A., um, th those are if you want to go look at the new cars and what the 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 car manufacturers are doing, you're going to go to a regular a regular old car show, um, yeah. and those are cool. Don't get me wrong, I love going to the LA yeah. car show and all that fun stuff. But uh, you've got SEMA, which is more um, I'm more kind of tuner based, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's I think really. SEMA is is too. Well, I would almost say like the civilian car owner. Yeah, in the for, sense for that the enthusiast, the street cars. Yeah, the enthusiast. Correct. Right. And then there's PRI, which is yeah. is is it always an indie? It has been for as long as I can remember. Okay. okay. Yeah. And that's really geared toward the motorsports world. Um, Correct. It's in indie because that's where um, ninety percent of the IndyCar teams are. Lots of IMSA teams are based out of Indy. Um, it's mm -hmm. close enough to Charlotte where all the, the NASCAR guys and gals can get up there. Um, yep. And that show is based really towards the the racing industry. Um, Correct. And so you're at SEMA. What? What? Um, and by the way, I'm jealous. Let's just put that out there. Um, <laughs> I had I had so many wants to be there this year, and I've not been to SEMA or PRI, um, but I wanted to do the podcast live from SEMA this year, but um, we had a lot of stuff going on, and it's the end of the year, and I'm tired, and I'm an old man. So, um, <laughs> so, so, so what's, what is the, I mean, obviously we're, we're, we're in the before times, you know, mm -hmm. there were no virtual trade shows. Everybody went to SEMA and PRI. And mm -hmm. uh, now we're in the aftertimes, or at least mm -hmm. the the perceived aftertimes. And mm -hmm. um, what what's the size of this year's show? What's 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 the deal this year? Well, the the frame of reference that I have is to, uh, versus last year. Okay. Um, you know, last year you could go through. I mean, anyone who's ever been to a convention, you know, the difference between a well attended convention right. and a not so well uh, attended one. And I mean, it was national news that there there wasn't as many uh, people at the show, which is totally understandable sure. since we are going through a, a global uh, situation. Um, this year, better attended, mm -hmm. at least it feels better attended. Something that I've I've noticed is that we've been able to really drive some great communications with different perspective and current partners. Um, there, there isn't a huge mass of population there. You're not running over, you know, hundreds of people. There are dozens of people. Right. That's been a, a really, a really good thing. It's, I think, been that this year versus last has really uh, been positive, um, and that's very encouraging. I think the brands who are there recognize the the value of networking and um, are still really leaning into that. So that's that's an encouraging and good thing. So this type of show is where um, 
you know, the guys who are selling aftermarket exhausts and air filters and all that kind of stuff, um, lighting equipment, stereo equipment, all this kind of stuff, are hoping for people like um, AutoZone and Riley O'Reilly to show up and say, oh, I'd like to put your stuff on my store shelves. That's kind of the idea. Um, what what what's you what's the response when you show up as a representative of the Sports Car Club of America, not really planning to buy any of their products? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. What are, how, how do you how do you open that discussion when you say I'm with the SCCA? Do you get mm-hmm. that face like I gave you when you told me what car you were going to be putting together? <laughs> you know what? Um... And by the way, I'm going to post the screen grab of that face. That facial expression. Yes, yes that, that should that be some a thumbnail. That would have been fantastic. Yeah, we'll, we'll um, post that somewhere. You know, what's really interesting is the fact that the Sports Car Club of America as a brand is still, and, and I think always will be, extremely recognizable, known. Um, and, and so it's it's the exception, not the norm. Really? I up, yeah. I go, we're not the Secret Car Club of America? Because that's what everyone keeps telling me. You know, I, I hear that too, but it's... You know, what's been really interesting is I've had not one, but two different conversations where just standing near a booth, mm-hmm. an SCCA member working for one of the brands at SEMA came up to me, hey, do you work for the club? Yes, sir, I do. Mm-hmm. Come in here. I want to talk with you, dot, dot, dot. Right. Right. And these are, are big, well-known brands. And so now, obviously you're wearing the SCCA t-shirt so that you don't just like have yeah. it branded on your forehead or something. No, no. I, I, well, actually, I do have it tattooed to my face, but no one can see that. So that's an encouraging thing. Um, but no, it's it's actually been right. really complimentary to to see how, how people recognize our brand, know what we're built upon, uh, recognize our, our products, you know, runoffs, solo nationals, right. things of that nature. Um, so it, it doesn't happen too often when it does. Um, it, it's cool to be able to to have that conversation with people. Um, because they very quickly realize the the importance of who we are in the scheme of, of motorsports. So when you walk in, when you decide to come to SEMA, um, what's your what's your goal for what you're trying to accomplish there? I from, from walk, a club standpoint. From a club standpoint, right, right. I'm I, I am basically going as a member and I'm asking the question. Is this a product, a service, or a brand that can deliver benefit to me as a member? Um, if that answer is yes, then I walk over, shake that hand, make the introduction, and see if there's fits. Mm-hmm. Um, something that members may or may not notice is that um, over the past 12 months, there's been a lot of growth in our partner member benefit for- portfolio, and that's a direct result from my being here last year, Mm -hmm. because a lot of different brands that we would have not normally met would not have been at PRI, for instance. Sure. Um, We were able to to meet and bring and now have as a benefit to members with that kind of thought process in mind. So, so that's kind of like my main focus. So there's this, there's these three letters that I, I keep that keep coming up in conversations. Um, And, and it's the almighty ROI. Yeah. You know, when any partnership discussion, um, comes up and I had to do that with, with the stuff that we did to get to go to the runoffs, you know, there is a, there is a question of return on investment. 
And yeah. um, I got two two roads to go down with this. But um, after you were at at um, at SEMA last year, you you put together these mm-hmm. this this these additions to our partner um, uh, membership benefits. Now, when you go back mm-hmm. a year later and talk with the folks who decided to come on board last year, mm-hmm. what has the response been to? And what I'm, I'm, I'm asking, well, I'll tell you why I ask in a second. What's their yes. responses? What, what have they gotten in return from that partnership a year down the road? What, what are you, what are you being told? So let me answer the question this way, and I hope it tracks. One of the things that's really unique about the SCCA member about all of us within our membership, and we're 55,000 strong, is that we're all influencers. Right. Now, when we hear that term influencer, we think of social media, right? And, and younger people- The Kardashians. Yeah, yeah, right? Or if we're thinking <laughs> YouTube content creators, right. or the, the different Instagrams, or our pets. My wife yeah. has my dog as a social influencer, no joke. He's got sponsorships and stuff like that. It's pretty hilarious. That's awesome. Right. Um, well, he's a cute guy, so he can he can pull that off. But what I think is really interesting is that each and every one of us within the club are extremely influential within our our family and friend circle. And so, for those member benefit partners, what I hear back from them isn't that they're selling huge volumes of products, but that they get phone calls, emails, and and direct messages from our members asking some excellent questions, giving incredibly good feedback. And, and they hear stories, and and um, a great example was actually uh, Greg Malloy. He won in GTL this year, and he's okay. a, a, a good friend of mine growing up. Um, he was able to find spacers from Function and Form, their suspension company out in California, who's a member benefit. Now... It's great to see how that relationship blossomed because has function and form sold a million suspension kits? No, but it's making a meaningful difference. And they were able to then work with Greg to do marketing for their brand as a result. Right. So it's a nice and meaningful. So is it a huge engagement? No, but it's a meaningful engagement between their brand and ours. Right. And to Greg, it made a difference. It helped him and him that car get a runoffs one which was incredible. Right. And, and the reason I asked that question is because, um, you know, w- when we were able to put partners together, I asked that, that question for two reasons. One, because I'm hoping that there'll be businesses out there listening to this podcast at some point in time who may be wondering whether or not doing a partnership with the SCCA would be beneficial to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that this discussion might get them to pick up the phone and give you a call. Um, because when the club is helped, it's good for everybody. So I'm hoping that someone may listen to this and say, hey, you know what, this is a conversation I'd like to have with Dan, and and maybe there's a fit there. Um, But in the same token, when I was able to put together, with your help in in most of the cases, um, the sponsorships to go to the runoffs with the the podcast, you know, we've had tremendous – um, success in the first year. We've had thirty more than 30,000 clicks in the first year, which is way beyond what I ever imagined. But in the grand scheme of the world of, of podcasts, 30,000 clicks really isn't that many. But mm-hmm. it's the right 30,000 clicks. Exactly. The people who exactly. are clicking are people who... Um, when I go to work at my radio station, at the radio station, not my radio station, at the radio station in Los Angeles, everybody there knows I'm a car guy. 
So mm-hmm. no matter what happens, if they got a, you know, if they, I my car is going clink clink. I feel like I'm click and clack. You know, my car is yes. going clink clink yes. clink. Or yes. or who should I go to to buy tires for my car? Or or mm-hmm. I, I am an influencer, just like you said. And yes. and the people who we've partnered with on the podcast for the runoffs and on other stuff. And I'm guessing a lot like what you're doing. Yeah. Realize that the value of the thirty thousand clicks is we've got thirty thousand really really smart, engaged, passionate clicks, mm-hmm. you know, and because if you're going to find this podcast, you're, it's not something that's, I don't advertise. I'm not out there for a yep. million people. You know, I'm not in the back of road and track or, or a sports car or a racer. You know, it's people have found it because they found it, you know, in the organic way and, yes. and the businesses out there. And we partner with some big, with one of the biggest motorsports businesses good years out there yeah. you know yeah. a, a juggernaut in the in the industry mm-hmm. they understand how important the SCCA members are correct and 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 that was important to them you know and and that's why the club is attractive to a potential business exactly and, and that's something that I talk a lot about with prospects and also newer partners to the club is that when you compare us to other brands like, let's say, NASCAR, IndyCar, IMSA, we're not a spectated sport. However, when you market to the SCCA, we're all end users. Right. So I don't like to call members members. I think of members as stakeholders. Mm. We have 55,000 stakeholders who are all loud and proud of their SCCA membership. We all want the club to be better. But we also are our type A personalities who share our opinion, our subject matter experts, and we know how to be vocal. And so when we're talking to brands, that's what makes the SCCA, that's our secret power, right, is being able to convey that to partners. And when they start to see and experience that, then that's when we have a lot of fun. And that's one of the reasons why I believe the SCCA has been so successful in having the partnerships that we have, because you look at our official partners and they've been with us for five, 10, 15, 20 years. And it isn't, it isn't a relationship based on the exchange of funds. Does that happen? Of course, but all of our our closest partners are extremely strategic because they deliver things that we could not do for ourselves to us and really amplify the the, the things that we're able to do on track. And that's, that's when partnership is really working well for us. So if you're an SCCA member driver, member, yeah, but drivers in particular, who want to go racing and want to find partnerships to help pay that bill. Yeah. This is the discussion you want to take some notes on because yeah. you and I have basically just laid out the sales pitch, you know, yeah. because when you go, when you drive in a Formula F or a B-spec car, you know, mm-hmm. it ain't sexy like a Formula One car, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have, it doesn't have the eyes on it like a NASCAR Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't have, you know, all of that. It's, you know, all of that. But what it does have is a club of 55,000 really, really passionate people who are going to see your name on the side of a car mm-hmm. and maybe tell people about it. You know, that's the mm-hmm. sell. That's the pitch. Exactly. Exactly. And if you're also seeking out sponsors privately as a driver, one of the biggest things that you want to focus on when you're approaching different brands is answering the question of how are you going to help me sell 
whatever it is that right. that company is is selling. And you have to 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 think through, and it's not necessarily being a salesperson, but being a brand ambassador and, and really delivering upon that that promise. And it's not just as simple as putting some stickers on the car, right? Right. You know, um, what it is is about using the tools that you have. Uh, some use it, uh, social media tools, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. It's out there. Others do a really fantastic job of, you know, when they're on track, activating with that brand, mm-hmm. um, making their car and themselves available to the brands that they are sponsored of. You know, you 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 can still get sponsorships. It looks different than I think it did 20 years ago. The dollars and cents aren't the same that right. that economies were. It's still done though. Right. And, and it can be done. And I've seen a lot of people get a lot of success that way. Uh, and we're kind of diverting away from SEMA, but we'll get back to it in a second. Yeah. Uh, the other totally. thing I, I don't want to just emphasize over and over and over again, um, you know, a lot of folks don't think they have time to do social media or they don't have a huge social media following. And mm-hmm. and while that may be true, and while you may not have a huge social media following, if you have mm-hmm. your inst- your big your big social medias, your Instagram, your Facebook, and your and your Twitter, um, yeah. and and I, I would think that we need to start looking a little more into into TikTok because that's where the younger set is. Um, yeah. But but yeah. but if you were if you have that and and if you post somewhat regularly about your partners, mm-hmm. it's not so much that you have a great following; it's that now your partners can repost what you've posted retweet yeah. re-facebook yes. share whatever and it's and it's not because you have a big following it's because your partner can show that someone who's actually racing cars is using my product exactly so you're providing exactly. you're providing them with content it's not so much yes. that you have content or you have people watching your page it's that you're legitimately providing them content to put on their socials and, and that's validation for the brand. It absolutely is. Exactly. It's that's absolutely huge. valid. You know, and and you may get some more followers yourself out of that. And and that's all kind of the reciprocal thing of how social media works. Um, mm-hmm. And people forget that the posting on a a not well subscribed social media account is not for you, it's for your partners. Exactly. Um, and and it helps them give legitimacy to their product because they're gonna see someone who's doing the stuff that other people would love to do. You know, mm-hmm. even if you're racing in a Formula Ford, sure, it's not Formula One or IndyCar, whatever, but you're mm-hmm. going out to the racetrack, racing a car, five weekends, 10 weekends a, a year, there's yeah. buckets of people out there who would who dream of doing that. Oh, you know? yeah. And 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 again, I, and the other thing too, I think this is really cool is how many people within your social circle had no clue you were even racing in the first place. Right. And you start posting those different things and being regular about it, then all of a sudden they go like, wait a second, what are you doing on weekends? What is this this strange drug that you're on? Oh, it's motorsports. Oh, that's fascinating. Tell me all about it. Perfect example. And and I, I love featuring younger drivers on the podcast. And mm-hmm. I ask this question to them almost all the time. And uh, you know, I said, Well, what what do your friends say when they find out you're racing cars? Mm-hmm. And and most say, well, you know, I was in go karts, and they kind of like giggle at go karts. I race go karts, you know. But when I got to the runoffs, driving an FE two car, and they saw me at a live broadcast from the runoffs at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I became cool. Yeah, what we do is cool. 
Oh, absolutely. You know, and absolutely. and that's there's value in that, you know, and, and and the club's doing more and more every year to help boost up the cool factor, you know, oh, yeah. and, and they're doing it again next year with the Super Tour television pro project. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's going to be more opportunities for you to say to a potential sponsor, if you go do these Super Tour races, there's a TV package now, um, yeah, exactly. you know, and, and and while it may not be runoffs level TV, it's still going to be an opportunity to get your name out there and all that kind of stuff. And that's going to grow, too, over time. So it's just value mm-hmm. added, value added, value added. All right. So what are you seeing at SEMA? What, what what's the club going to see as 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 the uh, as as the the results the fruits of your labor when they start uh, clicking on that website? Do we have anything you can talk about yet? Are there uh, any things that have piqued your interest? There, well, I'll tell you one thing to answer answer one part of your question of the things that I'm seeing uh, an incredible amount of electrification, mm. a, a much more than last year. Much more than I was expecting. Okay. Um, Peak SEMA this year is a company. I won't mention their name because I don't want them sure. coming after me. But it's a aftermarket exhaust for EV cars. But EV cars don't have exhaust, Dan. Now they do. It is a <laughs> attachable speaker system. It goes in the rear of an EV car. It, it has a potentiometer on the throttle position sensor. So then as you press on the throttle, you can now make that speaker mm-hmm. sing a song of an LS V8, a 1JZ straight six. If you want a spec Miata, you can make your Tesla sound like a spec Miata. Um, so every year I try to find, every car show I go to, I try to find like peak car mm-hmm. show. And that that to me was peak SEMA, is a speaker system for an aftermarket exhaust for a Tesla. So uh, it does indeed exist. Um, Lots of electrification going on. I think obviously most brands and OEMs are going in that direction based on everything going on governmentally. Um, some different things we're going to see for the club. Things that I can mention. Um, uh, one of the things I really appreciate are, are the partners that we have and how they really lean in and pay attention to the things that we're doing. Much of that is because many of them are, are participants themselves. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing really smart and intentional activation for events like solo nationals and the runoffs coming up. Um, things I'm looking forward to um, are some potentially some contingency um, opportunities and, and outside of road racing actually for autocross, which um, is something that we've all been trying to work on very hard uh, to accomplish because it actually is a hard sell. Um, that said though, What's what's really been interesting is that we've been making a lot of very thoughtful marketing decisions over the past 12 to 18 months and how those things are being noticed. An example of which is, you know, the runoffs that we're talking about, our live stream package going straight to YouTube versus going on to a, a channel like uh, NBC. That decision is a hard one because the legacy of the runoffs for so long have been it going on to an ESPN and right. sports center, that, that sort of a thing. Here's the reality though. Now it's our content. We right. own it. We're able to distribute as we see fit. And what's cool about it going on to YouTube is the fact that now whole new markets are being able to see and experience the runoffs that may not have been able to experience it 
how we continue the same direction. The live stream package that you're referring to, um, we'll be making a formal announcement this week. We're, we're bringing a, a professional, reliable um, package to Hoosier Super Tour. There, there's going to be a lot of fun things going on next year. Because not only are we talking about the 60th runoff, we're talking about the 50th solo nationals. Right. right. And so we've got two celebratory years um, in 23. And the other thing too, is that we, we might have some further amplification for time trials nationals coming in the not so distant future. And so 23 is going to be a really incredible year, I think, for the SECI. Cool. Cool. You're talking about engagement. I, I just want to remind people, um, road, uh, Roadkeeper and Racekeeper, uh, one of our, our partners at the runoffs, one of the SCCA uh, uh, member benefit member partners, um, th- they were offering a discount for the runoffs that we talked about, that that discount's still available through Christmas. So, you know, it, it, that's the type of engagement that Dan's talking about. You know, exactly. giving giving opportunities for SCCA members to go and do that kind of stuff. So, you know, you want to go check out Racekeeper and and they have a really cool product that's that works awesome. And uh, yeah, and it's the only camera system that's ever worked for me. I have the Roadkeeper <laughs> in my car. Yeah, um, it's the only camera system that's worked reliably because I am the worst with technology. Exactly. So I appreciate them greatly. I get it. Yeah, my dumb butt. And yeah. putting that thing together, you know, so there's their discounts still out there. And that's the type of engagement that that Dan's talking about. And I look forward to seeing whatever else you you conjure up for us. Yeah. And, and really what we're trying to do, you know, contingency is always going to be a, a component of competition. Right. So it's never going to go away. Right. It's not to say that I'm that we're shying away from that. Rather, when we engage with most partners, what we all acknowledge is that we need to reward all. And this isn't, we're never going to be an organization that really feels strongly about participation trophies. But what we do feel strongly is that we should all be valued for our participation. And what we mean by that is that when you go to an SCCA event, we want it to feel special. Right. We want you to feel acknowledged. And our partners are really leaning into doing exactly that. Um, That makes me extremely happy. And also, structures a lot of things where moving forward and continuing to move forward, um, those partners are, are are offering things for everyone. So like you use Roadkeeper as a great example. It's about making things more inexpensive, more affordable. It's about brands who genuinely care and give a crap about our outcome. Right. And so that that to me is where our partners come in and really make things better for all of us, which is just it's damn cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Any parting thoughts before we, before we, are you heading to PRI to also? Yeah, we're going to be uh, heading to PRI in a couple of weeks. Um, that's always more of a bread and butter uh, because that, you know, we walk in with an SCCA, anything, you know, people are geared up for that where maybe not so much here, but um, that's going to be, I can't believe it's a couple of weeks away. I know. I'm still, I'm going to need a couple of days to recover from this one. I know. Well, one of our big partners is partnering with the SCCA at PRI, and uh, we're going to do a podcast here in a couple of weeks to talk about that. And uh, so, uh, for those who are going to PRI, I'll give you we'll give you a little preview of what a little bit about what the club's going to do there, and uh, maybe we'll find one of the SCCA folks at PRI to come on like we're doing tonight, 
and talk mm-hmm. about what they're seeing there, whether that's you or or someone else. Um, I, I don't mind spreading the love. Um, <laughs> uh, it's all good, you know. It's all good. Absolutely. You know. And in December, what else do we have to talk about? Right. It's it's kind of like our our little mini off season. Because, yeah, you know, yeah. it's... Well, because January comes right around. Sebring is right there, and we'll yeah, be right back right at it. And Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Didn't mean to give you, give, you, <laughs> give you a moment there. So, yeah. Dan, Dennehy, Rodriguez, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for, for having me on. Can I give one quick shout out? Of course. So, uh, everyone who's listening, um, one thing I want to mention that's been really cool uh, a couple of weeks ago, we got to have the first iRacing virtual runoff. Oh, yes. Um, that was a great project. Um, a huge thank you to Drew, Greg, and Kevin from iRacing. Um, you know, we were talking about that a year ago. Um, it's, it's an event I'm going to be looking forward to deeply next year. I'm, I'm foreign to iRacing. They put on one hell of a show. And um, if you're looking for something to watch, to have in the background in the garage while you're working on something this off season, I really encourage you to check that out. Um, we have six and a half hours of that content on our channel, but especially those first four or five races were awesome. And uh, I've never been a sim racing guy, uh, but it, I'm gonna take a hard look at the bank account to see if maybe we can make that change. Um, and I'm really looking forward to uh, putting that event on next year because, you know, SCCA, another another way we want to engage our members is to serve them in the virtual space because that stuff was just cool. Well, so yeah. big shout out to them. You know, Greg Gidsberg and Lefty were the announcers. So, I mean, that yeah. was that was awesome. And yeah. uh, and when you start thinking about the whole sim racing thing, we have a podcast for that. <laughs> go go yes. back and listen to the podcast with Ray from eSports. Uh, we talk about how to get started and that you don't have you don't have to have a ton of money. It costs a little bit. Um, but you can get started if you no one at home can see it, but over my shoulder there's my there's my sim racing wheel. And um, yeah. um, on that podcast, I think I talked about how I did the 24 hours of Daytona iRacing event yes last year while under COVID quarantine. Um, that was <laughs> wow. uh, that's the story and a half. But yeah, uh, it's it's good to be quarantined in the room with the sim rig. Um, yeah, it just yeah, that that was beneficial. Very beneficial, very beneficial. So, um, but yeah, so check out that podcast if you want to learn a little bit more about how to get started, and um, um, you know, and also you know, talk, listen to the podcast. Uh, we haven't done the whole podcast yet, but we we've done a lot of stuff uh, with um, uh, the stuff the the guys from Spark Virtual Racing. And uh, they yes. they were also one of our partners at the runoffs. Great guys, wonderful product. Um, that's a little higher end than I think you want to get started in. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but you know what? Gosh, can they? Well, that's nothing. Do they do tuning for equipment too? Yeah, and they're they awesome do. Guys. They do. Awesome. So guys. yes, um, lots of good stuff there. So Dan, yeah. thank you. Thank you. This is always fun. And it's always fun to, to catch up with you and uh, to everyone listening. You know, it's. It's really an honor and blessing to be able to work for the SCCA. So thank you for the amazing club that we have. And uh, thank you, Brian, for this conversation. So it's good to catch up. Absolutely. That's going to do it for another episode of Inside the SCCA. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the Racing Wire Podcast Network so you won't miss an episode. Leave a comment, especially if it's a good one. If it's a bad one, put it on someone else's page. 
follow us on social media. Find out who our next guest is. Leave a question on Twitter. It's RacingWireNet. There's a new inside the SECA every week. I am Brian Belansky. Have a fantastic weekend. Stay safe and go play with cars. Hi, I'm FE2 driver Kelton Jago. And when I'm towing my car to the racetrack, I listen to Inside the SCCA podcast. The Inside the SCCA podcast is an independent media outlet owned, operated, and managed by Rule 15 Productions. Rule 15 Productions uses the SCCA name with permission, but without direction or influence from the Sports Car Club of America.